Welcome to God's Love Language, a podcast designed for Christian discipleship with emphasis on developing our relationship and fellowship with God. Now, here is our host, Joe Enloe. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Appreciate that. And I do. Greetings and welcome back to God's Love Language with Joe Enloe. I am your host, Joe Enloe. I know some of you have been with me since the beginning of my podcast, or, or you've listened to all of them. And if specifically, if you've listened to the first two podcasts, you know I've been attending seminary. And now I have reached my first milestone. I am happy to let you know that this past May 20th, 2023, I graduated from Grace School of Theology, a seminary located in the Woodlands, Texas. I graduated with high honors with a master's of Ministry in Interdisciplinary Studies. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. Appreciate that. You're, you're too kind. You're too kind. You can't, yeah. That's specific. That was my wife and my kids. They're, they're thankful I, I kind of finished that. I graduated, and, and I, I'm really happy, but I'm still continuing. I have posted a, a couple of pictures, of graduation pictures on our website, if you want to take a look there. Uh, look like Papa Smurf in that, in that hat. Uh, this is the first degree along the way to at least a Master's of Divinity. It all go, if all goes according to plan, I will have obtained my Master of Arts in Biblical Studies by next May. I have been pursuing the, the MDiv or the Master's in Divinity degree since 2018 on a part-time basis. Um, for those of you tuning in late, this MM degree is in addition to my MS in School Psychology and Marriage and Family Therapy. I have been concurrently pursuing my education in audio engineering and I am the last. I am in the last class of that certification as we speak. It should be completed by the end of July, 2023. I am excited about my accomplishments, especially being 67 years old. I hope to bring videos and live broadcasts sometime in the future to God's love language. I hope to use a kind of a Christian coffee house or coffee shop music venue to accomplish those ideas. If any of you have ever thought about pursuing your further education, you know it's never too late. Remember. Moses was 80 and Abraham was 75 when God began to use them. You should never stop learning and improving yourself as a Christian anyway. To keep going to the day you die. Okay, we are currently in our third relationship that God ordained, that of parents and God. This is our third episode of that series. Last month I gave you the first of 10 principles for raising children in a sin-saturated saturated world, along with four critical characteristics of Christian parents. Today we begin with the second principle, teaching the first step, fear and awe of the Lord. As we begin, keep in mind the teachings I gave you in our series on the individual in God and the couple in God, which covered the characteristics of the fivefold ministry gifts. I told you that you would need to be able to be the apostle, prophet, pastor, evangelist, and teacher to your children. Just as these five offices provided the foundation of the Christian church, they, the, their characteristics, skills, and information are vital to building your marriage and raising your children which provide the growth of the church and the bride of Jesus. Your children do, the continued family. Your marriage and raising children for God is where you polish those skills, and then you're able to take them out into the world, and your children will be able to do so likewise. Teaching your children to have fear and awe of the Lord involves the teachings from 
mostly Proverbs, that tell us the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. You find in Proverbs 1, 7. And that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. That's in 9, 10. This is the basic premise of wisdom in the book of Proverbs. Now, some might say that the books of the Old Testament or the entire Bible, for that matter, are antiquated and should not be relevant to today's society. But rest assured, as Thomas Nelson tells us in the, in the New King James Version Study Bible, the, this book or the book of Proverbs is more than a collection of tips and tricks. It passes on a core of knowledge and experience that God says we must have if we are to live successfully, or in uh, our terms, uh, to live an abundant life. These proverbs are not merely old sayings that concern people in far-off lands, but they are universal principles that apply to all people of all times. They speak to modern problems as much as to ancient ones, and because they concern human nature in God's ways. Human nature has not changed since Solomon's time. Neither has God's. Only the landscape around us has changed. The book of Proverbs is even more relevant when you consider it opens with a father or perhaps parents beseeching their child to seek wisdom and knowledge. Putting this fear of the Lord first is needed so that your children and anyone else you teach or evangelize understands that there is a creator, a beginning, a source of all wisdom and knowledge, a blueprint for life, if I may. It is amazing that in a world that considers the Bible outdated and irrelevant, its scientific advancements are producing more and more proof a designer of a designer or creator. Do you recall what I said in episode two? Of course, not too long ago, right? Unless you listened to it yesterday. But I said there, many scientists deny the creator God. Ironically, however, their work is dependent upon an implication of his creation. His creation is rational and ordered and predictable. It makes sense. It works according to nature's laws, which are God's creations and reflect his nature. If creation were not like this, the whole scientific method itself would not work. Okay, wisdom refers to skill. Instruction could also be translated discipline. It refers to the process of receiving knowledge and then applying it to daily life. A person develops discipline in life by applying words of insight. Let's look at that fear of the Lord in verse 1-7 again. What does fear of the Lord mean? In Gary Enrig's book, Pure Desire, he defines it this way. The fear of the Lord is the guiding principle, the foundational reality on which everything else rests. What the alphabet is for reading notes to reading music, and numerals to mathematics, the fear of the Lord is to obtaining wisdom. Amen to that. One way to see if what you are teaching your child is getting through to them, that they understand what it is to fear the Lord properly, is to ask them, what comes into your mind when you think about God? Their answer and yours, for that matter, is telling and, and helps to gauge how effective your teaching is and whether they understand what you teach. Of course, depending on your child's developmental level will determine his or her response. God's revelation of himself to us through the Bible produces an awe of him in, which, in us that makes us want to worship, trust, and obey his word. 
as we enter that relationship with him and then into fellowship intimacy with him by having a healthy fear and awe of him, we build a godly world view. That intimacy with him allows us to fight off the enticements of the world around us. When we are in fellowship intimacy with him, it produces all that leads to obedience and following his command. The obedience is basically following his commands and loving our brothers and sisters. And you as a parent, as the apostle, prophet, evangelist, preacher, and teacher of your children, must constantly and consciously help your children obtain the God-centered view of the world. Do not teach them to have a parent-centered, peer-centered, or self-centered worldview. It is not about you or them. As Gary and Riggs says in his book, God's truth taught and lived is our children's greatest need. So the old maxi needs altering. Spare the word and spoil the child. And of course, the old one is spare the rod, spoil the child. But we're saying spare the word and spoil the child. All right. Principle number three. Teach them to understand the meaning and power of the gospel. The gospel is an announcement of good news. In particular, the gospel is the announcement that Jesus' life, death, and resurrection have brought about salvation for anyone who would believe. Romans 10, 8 through 17 says this about the gospel. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on him. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of, of bring good news of good things. However, they did not all heed the good news for Isaiah says, Lord, Who has believed our report? So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. The gospel is the reason we are Christians. It is the reason that we are living for Christ and and God with the help of the Holy Spirit. Based on the finished work of Jesus, God graciously bestows the forgiveness of sins. He sees us as righteous through the blood of Jesus, through that sacrifice of Jesus. And that allows us to enter relationship and fellowship with him. As Christian parents, the gospel is of first importance and should be the foundation on which we build our belief in Christian walk. There is nothing more important and fundamental to raising Christian children than helping them to understand and respond appropriately to this gospel. As Christian parents, we must pray, teach, and take every opportunity to expose our children to the gospel of Christ, including having them witness the gospel worked out in our lives as their parents. Understanding the gospel is fundamental to being a Christian and defending your faith. It is also important to growing in your faith and obedience. It is also basic to understanding how our progressive sanctification works. We are believers living in a sin-saturated world, and we are simul 
Ustus et peccator, simultaneously just and a sinner. We were justified by the sacrifice of Jesus. He made us righteous, and we are seen as righteous because of him and his shed blood. And now we're in a process of sanctification that ends when we reach heaven. Progressive sanctification is the ongoing transformation of the sinful man to Christ's likeness here on earth. All those episodes we did that led to transformation of the old person to the new Christ-like person is all part of your progressive sanctification. It is an, it is an ongoing process, as Paul describes in Romans. The power of the work of Jesus is the same power that continues to work in us to transform us into the likeness of Jesus. The same gospel that enabled, enables us to call God Father invites us to come boldly to Him with our weaknesses and needs. The same grace that humbled us to ask forgiveness empowers us to admit our weaknesses and failures to our children. Do not allow your past failures to keep you from leading your children into the truth of God. Our children need to know what Paul says in Philippians 1.27. Let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Paul's call is not live so that God will accept you, but God has accepted you in Christ, so live. The difference is transforming and empowering, and our children need to understand this. They need to understand that they are not just to be good people, but they are called to be good and righteous for our Savior Jesus Christ, who paid the ultimate price for us. We are not here to live for ourselves and then to die. We are here to live like he did, to hear God's voice, do his will, and glorify his name in all that we do. Just as a field of beautiful wildflowers brings glory to their creator, God, so should your life as a Christian glorify him. We are to have fellowship intimacy with him, and that leads to abundant life. Again, as Gary Enrich says in his book, the sufficiency of the cross should not or should remind our children that the blood of Jesus, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. That's First John 1, 7. Such an understanding will help them not to trivialize sin and will lead them to pursue holiness and to treasure forgiveness when they fail in thought or deed. Number four, be the epitome of how you want them to be. The example you set, your behavior, beliefs, and emotions as a parent will always be more powerful than what you say with your words. That is one of the reasons that psychologists tell us that all behavior is purposeful. It is many times more telling than your words. If you walk and talk a hypocritical life, especially a Christian life, your children will pick up on it. They may not say anything until you try to point out their sinful behavior. Then they're going to call you on it. When your children see you acting according to your beliefs, even in the face of embarrassment or persecution, it will speak volumes to them. It also helps them to have the courage to act the same. You must be as consistent in your behavior as possible. Always let your actions be congruent with your beliefs. There's more on that in, in episode three on cognitive dissonance. I talk about that. Your, be the congruency of your beliefs and your actions. Be careful what you watch and listen to also. In spite of what you may have heard about peer pressure and influence, studies still confirm that the single most important social influence on teenagers is their parents. Other close relatives also exude influence on your children. 
but parents stand out. But hypocritical living by you will most likely backfire. You must be consistent. If you stumble in your Christian walk, let your children hear you admit that and let them see you repent. Remember, you are teaching them how to be successful as a Christian. Christians stumble and sometimes fall. Show them how to get back up and learn from trials. Show them how to live an abundant life here on earth so that when they leave your direct care, they too will prefer the Christian life to what to that which the world offers. Number five, you are responsible for countering the sinful nature in your children. Take a seat. Hang on. You, your little girl, is not born a princess, and your son is not born a knight in shining armor. All humans are born with a sin nature and will act on it unless redirected by others. Obviously, babies are totally dependent on others to survive, but as they grow and enter what we call the terrible twos, they begin to exert what will be known as free will, and the free will, left unchecked, will seek out its own pleasure. Some have taught that we are to nurture our children's natural growth process, not to the way we think they should go. I would say that is a lie from the devil. In fact, the Bible tells you to step in and raise them according to the, the Word of God. We all have inherited the sinful nature and, let, and left to its own devices that sin nature will develop a child that does not fear the Lord or his parents or her parents. Proverbs 22.15 warns us that folly is bound up in the heart of a child. In Proverbs 29.15 it says, A child left to himself brings shame to his mother. Children need more than nurturing. They require teaching, correction, reinforcement, and training, just like we all do when we become born-again Christians. Remember, Proverbs is a training manual in wisdom, and it gives us parents information how life works and what God expects us to learn through wisdom and instruction. It also gives us hints on what we cannot control in our children. I will provide more information in this area when I talk about the developmental stages of children in a later episode. A parent cannot control all things when raising children, but a wise and responsible parent must be attuned to a child's age, abilities, and maturity level. We must teach them God's expectations and standards. We do that by instilling a love, desire, knowledge, and understanding for God in our children. Okay, our sixth principle and last one for this episode. You must be your child's primary source for sex education. Yes, I said it. Even good Christian parents will sometimes fail at this task. Remember, God gave us sex in the sexual act of marriage, of the marriage, and he said it was good. Children should not first encounter sex talk from someone or something else. This is another reason that you and your spouse should be able to comfortably talk about sex and sexuality. If your children see that you are not willing to discuss sex, then they will avoid asking you questions about it. Sadly, most children are introduced to sex by music, television, or the Internet, or some of their friends. Yes, these media need to be supervised and regulated. It is precisely because of the sex-saturated culture and media that we must be able to talk appropriately about sex with our children. Not being raised like that is no excuse. In other words, when you say, I wasn't raised like that, I did okay, that's not an excuse. Consider it an opportunity to grow as a Christian 
and listen to episode 31 for more teaching on Christian sexuality. Remember, you are preparing your children to be a better Christian than yourself. And as Gary said in his book, to be silent is to be missing in action. If you don't teach them, who will? And what will they learn? Sex is a good gift from God. Educating them includes the biology about the differences between male and females, the psychological and physiological differences as well. This includes sex reproduction and the changes in their bodies as they age. Make sure your instruction is age-appropriate and be prepared to have in-depth discussions with your teenagers. If they are attending a secular school, they may have been taught contradicting information. Many of their convictions will be developed from these conversations with them. So help them differentiate cultural propaganda from fact and God's Word. Do your research and look up answers together if possible. The more senses you involve in their learning, the better they will learn. Also, if you have access to studies that contradict what they are being taught at school or by someone else, show it to them and allow them to read it on their own time if they desire. If you build a reputation with your child, one that they know you seek the truth and facts, your children will hold your teachings in, your teachings in higher esteem than the others. Teach them to question anything that seems contradictory to God's teaching and other sources of truth. The more truth they learn, the more they will recognize the lies that, that pops out. It's just like that $100 bill. How do you know a good $100 bill? Because you learn what the, the right one looks like. And then uh, when a counterfeit shows up, you can tell there's something wrong. And lastly, I agree again with Mr. Gary Enrich when he says, it is irresponsible for parents not to prepare themselves in every way possible for this responsibility. It is moral cowardice to expect others to do for your children what God has called you to do. You know, and when you do all this with your child, you grow also. That's the cool part. Okay, that wraps up another episode. Next month, we will discuss the last four principles, beginning with number seven. That is to know and understand the culture your children grow up in. Until then, may God bless and keep you and may his face shine upon you and yours. Deanna, take us out. Thank you for listening to today's teaching. If you would like more information about our podcast and subject matter, or if you would like to leave a comment, go to GodsLoveLanguage.com. Or you may email Joe at jnlo at godslovelanguage.com. 